This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. And at the end of the day, like I was saying, it's we're not getting too hyped up about the opponent. We really try and keep it as a nameless, faceless opponent, like I said. And we got to go out there and do what we can do. And what we should do is move them all day because we're bigger, stronger, and we should be moving them all day. So at the end of the day, once we do that, we're going to get the ball moving. It's a big game. That was redshirt freshman offensive lineman Brant Banks with a quote that certainly raised my eyebrows as Nebraska gets ready to face number three Oklahoma in Norman this week bigger and stronger. It's just hard to look at where Oklahoma has been of late and where Nebraska has been of late and think that the Huskers have much of an advantage coming into a game like that. But his sentiment doesn't totally come from nowhere. Oklahoma's too deep on the defensive line averages 277.5 pounds. Illinois, for comparison, was 312.5. Nebraska's too deep on the offensive line averages 309.5 bigger? Check. Based on that, it might be fair to call OU's D-line sleeker than what Nebraska regularly sees in the Big Ten. But that on its own doesn't make Saturday any easier. OU ranks 18th nationally with 8.5 tackles for loss per game. Isaiah Thomas and Perry and Winfrey were all Big 12 a year ago. You'll see them often on Saturday. Nebraska's O-line, meanwhile, has had a surprising start to the year. It's a young group, but one that I thought, and still sort of do, has a high ceiling, but it struggled with Illinois' pass rush. The run game hasn't been clean either. 30 extra pounds, on average, doesn't fix that on its own. But Banks' sentiment was interesting anyway. There's a version of this game, the first OU-Nebraska game since 2010, that perhaps should be a matchup of the Huskers' decade-honed Big Ten brawn against the Sooners' speed. If things were closer to on track at Nebraska, maybe it would be. Maybe, with a strong performance that might not even equal a win, things can feel a little closer to on track after Saturday. You're listening to the IOD Preview Podcast, Irresistible Oklahoma, Immovable Nebraska Edition, just for old time's sake. I'm Hale Varsity Managing Editor Brandon Vogel. Let's talk some football. Unlike virtually all of the players on the Huskers roster currently, I'm old enough for Oklahoma and Nebraska to have been a meaningful part of my life growing up in the Cornhusker State. My first football game, my first Nebraska football game, was in 1987 for for Oklahoma and Nebraska. I grew up in the northwest corner of the state, so getting to Lincoln regularly on a Saturday was, was a rare occurrence. That was the only Nebraska football game I went to before I got into college and was closer to the eastern half of the state. But I've seen three other Nebraska-Oklahoma games since then. Um, Never covered one, actually. This will be be the first. But in 2001, I was there for Black 41 Flash Reverse. In 2009, I was at Memorial Stadium for that 10-3 win, uh, which was about the only way Nebraska that year could have done it with a blockbuster performance from the Black Shirts. And then a year later, I was in Dallas for the Big 10, or the Big 12, excuse me, 
the Big 12 championship game, which started strong for Nebraska, ended stronger for Oklahoma. But I've been a little bit fortunate in that because all of the Nebraska-Oklahoma games I've seen in person have kind of lived up to the the storied history of the, the rivalry in one way or another. Is that going to be the case on Saturday? Uh, Nebraska's a pretty heavy underdog. Three touchdown underdogs don't win very often, uh, which might seem obvious. But it has it has already happened once in 2021. Uh, Montana beat Washington. And it happened once last year. LSU beat Florida. Uh, 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 a reason that makes me happy we have to, to remember the role that a shoe played in that game. Point is... It's a steep hill. Nebraska's going to have to climb it this week in Norman. Huskers opened as 23-point underdogs back in May when the sportsbooks released some of their early game-of-the-year lines. They put out 20 or 30 of those for, for big matchups. It was, it was OU by 19, so Nebraska's three games into its season, Oklahoma's two, and, and that's how that has changed. Though, since that line opened on Sunday, it was down to Oklahoma by 22 around midweek. Uh, so at least some people are taking uh, taking the Huskers to to cover. Uh, the SP Plus ranking system from, from ESPN is, is right in that range. Oklahoma ranks third in, the, in that system, viewed as 27.9 points better than the average college football team. And Nebraska's 31st uh, with a rating of 10.8. Preseason projections are still heavily involved in the rankings at this early stage. So if you're at all surprised by the Husker ranking, that that's part of part of what's in there. FPI, uh, ESPN's other power ranking metric, has OU third, same as SP plus, and Nebraska 38. So just a little, but but both of those, and it, it's a little bit rare for them to be this in lockstep. Both of those rating systems project Oklahoma by 19 and a half, so a little bit less than the actual spread that's out there right now. The money line odds on this game at midweek were Nebraska plus 900, Oklahoma minus 1600. That's an implied win probability for Nebraska of 10%. FPI puts Nebraska's win probability at 8.4%. So if you want to, just for the sake of argument, assume that FPI's is quote unquote accurate. Like that's exactly what Nebraska's actual win probability would be. Getting 10%, if you were to bet on Nebraska for a straight-up win, is basically that extra 1.6% goes to the sports books. That's how they stay in business. But 10% uh, might be about accurate for any team going to Oklahoma of late. Since 1999, the Sooners are 125-11 and 11 at home, a .919 winning percentage. The OU game notes kind of amusingly, at least to me, noted that Oklahoma has more conference championships over that stretch than they do home losses. So that's what the Huskers are walking into. Let's get into the nuts and bolts of this game by looking at three key players on, on both sides. There's almost an embarrassment of riches to consider for, for that with Oklahoma. But I'm going to start with uh, wide receiver Marvin Mims. Th- throughout the Sooners' storied history, and, you know, Nebraska fans know it well. This is sort of similar to the setup for the Huskers, but Oklahoma had never had a freshman All-American wide receiver from the Football Writers Association of America. Mims did that last year. He's averaging 22.7 yards per catch through the first two games, 
doesn't have a touchdown yet, but it's only a matter of time. He's obviously a, a deep, deep threat for the Sooners. And you've got to be cognizant of that, of course, when you're preparing to face an offensive like this. So how's Nebraska going to match up with him? And then if it does somehow do pretty well against a player like Mims, there's there's a, a fleet of fast wide receivers that he also has to have to deal with. But Mims is certainly the one that jumps off the page first in that front. Second for me with Oklahoma is linebacker Nick Benito. He only has a half tackle for loss through two games, but don't worry, you you won't miss him on Saturday. He's one of the best pass rushers in, in the country. In fact, early NFL draft projections might have him as the first kind of pure edge rusher off the board. So it's it's a player Nebraska is going to have to figure out a way to deal with. Pass protection has been an issue at times for, for the Huskers in 2021 so far, though they did pretty well against what I thought was, was a pretty good uh, Buffalo front, at least in terms of getting after the passer. Third on the list is going to be a little bit off the radar, uh, but but tight end Braden Willis is is one to watch on this in this game for me. He's Oklahoma's H back, essentially a pretty versatile player uh, at at tight end. He only has two catches so far, but he may play an even bigger role in in the run game, and that's going to be key too. Uh, reading Oklahoma sources this week, the the Sooners' run game seems to be the primary point of very relative concern. Nebraska would take Oklahoma's run game right now, but with an offense like this, it can, it can do both. It has done both for really all of Lincoln Riley's tenure. You got to be able to take something away. And as we look at Nebraska so far, it's defense, specifically it's run defense. It's been really its best foot forward. So keep an eye on Willis in, in that Oklahoma does a lot of things with him. For Nebraska, let's start with wide receiver Samori Toure. I'm kind of surprised I haven't put him on the list to this point because after after three games, you could make an argument that I don't know if he's Nebraska's best player. He might be. Um, he, he's certainly their most versatile player, I think. Nebraska's used him in the passing game and in the run game, as we've seen, as they've gotten into some more of a kind of a, a speed option game out of a two-back set. Toure being that that second back who motions in from the slot. Last week against Buffalo, he had two catches of 60 yards plus. He's averaging 23 and a half yards per catch as a receiver and 8.8 yards uh, carrying the ball, though that's only on five carries. Second for me with Nebraska, uh, I'm going to be keeping, and you, you could go with a number of guys in the secondary here. Deontay Williams, uh, super senior safety, is third on the team at 14 tackles. Um, he's usually a big part of Nebraska's run fits, and he's a very active player. You see him all over. Tackling in a game like this is going to matter a ton. Uh, it matters a lot in every game, but with a team like Oklahoma, that likes to spread you out, likes to go tempo, and has extraordinary athletes. Like If you don't tackle well, it's, it's virtually a non-starter. Williams makes a lot of those tackles, but we've also seen him play sort of fast and loose at times going for, for the kill shot. You miss against a team like Oklahoma and it's, it's pretty big trouble. Third on my list. And I agonized over this for a little bit um, because it feels a little bit too obvious, but I'm going to go with quarterback Adrian Martinez. His numbers, the past two games 
competition level noted against against Fordham and Buffalo were where I think they need to be for Nebraska's offense to be its best version right now, which is to say that the rush rush the rushing attempts, the actual quarterback rushing attempts. Um, and I'm not separating out scrambles there, though you could uh, haven't climbed too high and, and nor have the the pass attempts. We'll get to more on Martinez in the second half because I think he figures heavily into this game, but just wanted to note him here as one of three guys who virtually has to play well for, for Nebraska to, to have a shot on Saturday. Quick review of last week's keys to the Buffalo game, a, a 28-7 win for the, the Huskers. I, I highlighted two numbers that I thought would be pretty key for that one. The first was Nebraska's run defense, which had been pretty strong overall. Um, hadn't been so strong on first down and for a Buffalo team that likes to run the ball a lot. If you, you're getting hit for five, six, seven yards on first down, it kind of becomes tough to stop them. Nebraska was two yards better than its average going into that game. So that was a box emphatically checked. The other one was dealing with that Bulls pass rush. As I mentioned, you know, they're, they're a defensive line that's a little bit built more on speed. Um, you, you wouldn't expect them to come in with the size of, of a Big Ten team, but that didn't make them any less dangerous in my mind. And Nebraska didn't give up a sack in that game. And part of that goes into why Adrian Martinez looked mostly comfortable back there. Nebraska didn't have to throw the ball a ton when it did. It got some shots downfield. And the Huskers really controlled that game for for most of it, even if it wasn't the, you know, 42 point out or outing that it, it could have been if things had gone a couple of different ways. So Nebraska answered my two primary questions with that game last week. And I thought it was a, a tough spot for, for the Huskers. So because it's Buffalo, because they're from the Mac, like it really doesn't diminish how that game went. Uh, you can take some issue with the fact that if things are a little bit cleaner, it looks like a, a full on blowout which would have been really impressive, but I try not to get too caught up in those things. So that's how last week went. We'll get into this week in just a moment, but first let's go to halftime and Rusty Dawkins for the weather forecast for Saturday. You can follow Rusty at, at Husker weather on Twitter and check hillvarsity.com throughout the week for updated forecasts for the game. Hi there, everyone. I'm meteorologist Rusty Dawkins for Hill Varsity, the I-80 preview podcast weather forecast. And we've got a hot one as the Huskers head down south to Norman, Oklahoma. Fun fact about Norman, that's where the Storm Prediction Center is at. So every time we get a severe thunderstorm watch or a tornado watch, that's where it's coming from, Norman, Oklahoma. Anyway, the, the temperatures and the, and the weather is it's going to be quiet but hot in Norman for the, the football game on Saturday. We're starting off early in the morning with temperatures tolerable, near 70 degrees, mostly sunny skies and a southeast wind at 5 to 10 miles per hour. By kickoff at 11 a.m., middle 80s with a mostly sunny sky and a light southeast wind at 5 to 10. And by halftime, that's 1 o'clock in the afternoon, near 90 degrees already with mostly sunny skies and that southeast wind at 5 to 15 miles per hour. I think we'll top out in the middle 90s by the fourth quarter. That'll be around 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Mostly sunny skies and a southeast wind at 5 to 15 miles per hour. It's going to be hot, though. If you're at the game in Norman, Oklahoma, it'll remain in the 90s until 6, 7, maybe 8 o'clock at night in Norman. So definitely a hot one. 
Uh, with the forecast updates, I'll have all of those on my social media channels. You'll find me on RustyWX on uh, any social media channel, really. And anything Husker Weather related, you can find that at Husker Weather on Twitter and Facebook. I'm meteorologist Rusty Dawkins. Go Big Red. Kick off the second half here with the big question. How does Nebraska win this game? I know, I know, I know what the win probabilities are. I know what the spread is. But I really do start from a place of when looking at games, well, you know, certain things happen. One team plays well, another doesn't. And almost any, anything can happen within those 60 minutes. Um, for that to happen this week, Huskers would be need to be close to perfect or the Sooners would need to be very far from it. Uh, that, of course, colors everything. Um, you're working on that sort of scale with, with a pretty wide margin for error uh, on the o- Oklahoma side. But if Nebraska is going to be in this game late, it probably needs to do these things, these three things particularly well. Number one, Adrian Martinez needs to be better than Spencer Rattler on Saturday. Rattler is the, the Heisman candidate here. Martinez is the guy who was entering his sophomore season, 2019. But this could be a closer matchup than it at first seems. Right now, in ESPN's QBR metric, Rattler ranks 8th with a, with a rating of 84.2 on average, and Martinez ranks 9th at 83.9. You need something like QBR for this to account for the differences in those two quarterbacks' game. Um and QBR does factor in a quarterback's rushing ability. The other thing I like about it is those those ratings that I mentioned, 84.2 uh, for, for Rattler so far this season. They're made to fit uh, a, a winning percentage graph, essentially. So if Spencer Rattler is playing at a QBR of 84.2, what that's saying is Oklahoma should win 84.2% of those games in which he's playing at that level. So pretty good from both quarterbacks so far. Rattler's mobile enough, and this is how Nebraska defensive coordinator Eric Shenander put it, mobile enough to kind of annoyingly keep plays alive. Shenander compared him to Vernon Adams, uh, Eastern Washington transfer quarterback that the Ducks had in 2015. He doesn't rush the ball a ton, but obviously athletic enough to get outside the pocket and make some plays that way as well. Adrian Martinez is coming off back-to-back strong passing days. And he's also a guy who can turn a should-be sack into 70 yards the other way, which he did last week against Buffalo. He also had a 75-yard touchdown against Illinois on what was basically a broken passing play. Right now, Rattler is the more consistent of the two, but he has thrown at least one interception in half of his 12 games against FPS opponents so far. He had two against Tulane in, in week one this year, a game that the Green Wave nearly came back in after Oklahoma got a little bit Got a little bit loose in, in the second half. The Sooners had a big halftime lead in that game. And Tulane's pretty good. Um, Rattler also had three interceptions in a loss to Kansas State a year ago, which, you know, when we look at this game, yes, it's a three-touchdown spread projected. Um, and Oklahoma's very good. I don't, I'm not trying to imply otherwise. But we have seen Tulane uh, give Oklahoma a fight in Norman. Uh 
Army did it, which is sort of its own separate thing, given the offense that Army runs. Um, but Oklahoma's also lost to Iowa State and Kansas State recently under Lincoln Riley. Two programs that I would say, when comparing them to Nebraska, are probably a little bit further along in developing the culture those coaching staffs want. But talent-wise, um, very similar. Martinez also has his issues with with turnovers, of course. Um, he's had a tendency to put the ball in danger over his career. Because of that, games like last week against Buffalo, where Martinez doesn't have to do everything, tend to look better. Illinois in week zero was a game where Martinez had to do a lot. There wasn't a whole lot working for Nebraska offensively in that game. And that's where the, the Huskers get in trouble, generally speaking. But facing a team with the talent of the Sooners, this feels more like a game to me where Nebraska needs the spectacular upside we've seen from Martinez, and it needs next to none of the downside. So it's a it's a big ask. Um, Adrian Martinez probably needs to have one of the best games of his career. Uh, the turnovers... You don't have to be perfect, just pretty close to it. Anything more than one, and and Nebraska's probably in trouble on that front. But every week we hear coaches get up there and talk about Adrian Martinez and the threat that he poses. We kind of saw that right away in 2018, his his true freshman season, which is why he was on Heisman list going into 2019. And it's been a bit of a bumpy ride since then. He's got some momentum going into this one. Uh, is he ready for perhaps the biggest Saturday of his career? If he is, um, and it's it's far from a guarantee, Nebraska has a shot to, to be around. While we're on the topic of quarterbacks, I couldn't make it through this week with without getting a little bit nostalgic. This is mostly just an, a, an aside, but it was important to me to get in there. Um, Dan Jenkins, the, the famed Sports Illustrated college football writer, covered Nebraska, Oklahoma in 1971, the the game of the century. And for my money, this might be the the lead of the century. So I just wanted to to read it quick. Uh, if you haven't read this piece, definitely go do it. It's on SI.com. If you hadn't read it in a while, it's worth revisiting, which which I did and certainly enjoyed myself. But here's Dan Jenkins writing about the game of the century. In the land of the pickup truck and cream gravy for breakfast, down where the wind can blow through the walls of a diner and into the grieving lyrics of a country song on a jukebox, down there in dirt-kicking Big 8 territory. They played a football game on Thanksgiving Day that was mainly for the quarterbacks on the field and for self-styled gridiron intellectuals everywhere. End quote. College football writing doesn't get much better than that in, in my mind, but a day that was most mainly for quarterbacks, if Nebraska is in that spot at the end of Saturday, things probably went pretty well. Second thing Nebraska has to do well against Oklahoma, its defense is going to have to win some of the high leverage situations it creates for itself. Huskers defense has shown some early promise, particularly against the run. Um, and it's it's kind of an interesting setup here because so far, the Blackshirts have been even ahead of where I presume they would be. We got the question all offseason long in our mailbag, you know, is this a, a top 20 defense? And I just thought that was too big of a jump for where 
the Huskers had been previously, and it still might be. I was more in the, eh, if this could be a top 40 defense, that's probably them doing a pretty good job. Well, they're, they're shading towards better than, than what I even anticipated. But of course, this is the, the biggest challenge they've faced yet with this Oklahoma offense. It's just a, a different beast. SP plus rates it as the top, top offense in the country. Black shirts could play well, and the Sooners are still going to put up some yards and points. You've just got to know that coming in. But Nebraska's probably going to win some downs too. Defense against the run with a pair of dynamic linebackers in Luke Reimer and Nick Henrich so far has been pretty good at, at, at stopping that. And as we mentioned a little bit earlier in the show, it's, it's kind of the run game. And with teams like Oklahoma, Ohio State, Alabama, you're really going over things with a, a fine-tooth comb to find the, the points of concern. Uh, Nebraska used to be that way too before uh, things got so obvious uh, with just the kind of mistakes and killing yourself. You know the narrative. We've talked about it a lot. But that's, that's an area where Nebraska, you could reasonably expect them to, to have some success uh, against the Oklahoma run. Pass defense uh, remains a area of concern when I look at the Huskers' statistical profile. Right now, Nebraska ranks 72nd in passing success rate allowed. Good news is it's only giving up an explosive passing play on, on 9.7% of, of the pass attempts. Oklahoma is a team that's going to challenge that in a big way. Sooners ranked 25th in passing success rate. Uh, and on top of that, they're also averaging an explosive pass on 17.3% of its attempts through through two games. And, you know, with all of these stats, like, it's still early in the year. Nebraska has three games under its belt. Oklahoma only has two. The Huskers played Fordham, which you kind of got to filter out garbage time, which I have from these numbers. Uh, Oklahoma, after getting pushed by, by Tulane in week one, stopped Western Carolina 76 to nothing. So it's all reflected here in the stats. You got to take it with a little bit of a grain of salt before these things smooth out a little bit as the season wears on. But having watched Nebraska, having watched both those Oklahoma games, you can look at this and say, okay, how's Nebraska going to match up against the pass? Feel like they've got a fighting chance when it comes to running the football. Passing remains a point of contention, but I think I think Nebraska has a chance to make things at least a little bit difficult for Oklahoma moving the ball. Uh, if they can take a bite out of that explosive play rate is is really the biggest thing, like three, four play drives, 50, 60, 70 yard touchdowns. You really get into trouble in a hurry that way. You've got to make an offense like this, which wants to go fast, um, drive the ball six, seven, eight, nine plays. Uh, and then you're giving yourself a chance. You are creating those kind of high leverage situations. That means two things in particular for me on this game. Uh, first is third down. Oklahoma was at 25% third down conversion against Tulane. It was at 30.7% in the 2020 loss to Iowa State and 37.5% in the loss to Kansas State. That said, Oklahoma's also won games with similar percentages and it's lost games where it's been above 50% on third down. Third downs aren't enough on their own, but it's hard to see Nebraska being in a game like this. If it isn't pretty good in getting off the field when it gets those chances, 
the other part of kind of these high leverage opportunities, Nebraska has to limit the damage when Oklahoma is on the Husker side of the field. So far, so good on that front defensively. Nebraska is allowing 2.2 points on drives across their 40, which ranks 29th, according to collegefootballdata.com. Oklahoma's offense is averaging 5.1 points on those trips inside the 40, which is 18th nationally. So edge Sooners, but Nebraska's got, a, again, a, a fighting chance when it comes to that. You know, this could be a game where you have to keep answering the bell. You, you have to tackle well, which is what could potentially keep those explosive plays down. And then when Oklahoma has been on a drive, like if you get a third down, if you get down to the 25-yard line, forcing a field goal there instead of a touchdown is, is how this game becomes a, a four-quarter game for the Huskers when you think about the defense. Third and final key here for Nebraska might make some people nervous. It honestly makes me a little bit nervous. I'm not even totally sure about it, but games like this kind of put you in this spot. Uh, don't be afraid to put the ball in the air. Unless Nebraska has secretly been working on an under-center, two-back, old-school option attack for the past four years. And I'm not talking the, the five plays we saw against Ohio State in 2019. I'm talking about doing it for a full game. Um, the Huskers' best shot to win on Saturday is probably via the pass. The Huskers are averaging explosive pass so far on 23.9% of, of their pass attempts. That's a sea change from, from a year ago. And that's with, again, early season competition level noted. That's without Oliver Martin, their leading receiver against Illinois. He's been out the past two weeks. It's without Travis Vokalek, uh, one of two starters at tight end. Austin Allen didn't play very much of that, that Buffalo game. Um, and, and Nebraska still found a way to, to get the ball downfield, uh, at times, Samori Toure has certainly helped in that regard. By midweek, reports were that, that Martin and Vokalek were, were close to being ready to go. We'll see on Saturday if that ends up being the case. That would be, of course, a, a big help there. But I highlight the pass because you're going to need some of those big plays. Uh, I feel like Nebraska's passing game conceptually has always been pretty strong and the past two games for Martinez have, have looked a little bit more like kind of the fall camp slash off season chatter. We were hearing about Martinez now doing that against defense like Oklahoma's uh, which is, which is very good at, at this point is, is, is a different deal. Of course, the reason though, that I specifically highlight the passing game and yes, some of this has to do with, with the Huskers running game not looking all that well-oiled at this point, but the bigger, the bigger thing is the, the bottom line concern is you're going to need points to beat Oklahoma. Lincoln Riley has five losses as a head coach. None of the teams to, to beat the Sooners over that stretch scored fewer than 37 and they averaged just over 40, 40.4. Nebraska hasn't scored more than 37 points against an FBS opponent since a 54 to seven, excuse me, not an FBS opponent, a power five opponent hasn't scored over 37 since beating Maryland 54 to seven at the end of the 2019 season. So this is an offense that 
has shown the capability over the past 3.25 seasons. That's exactly what we're at now into the frost era has shown the ability to do that, though. It's starting to feel a little bit far removed. 2018 was kind of the, the biggest number for big yardage totals, high point totals got a little bit in, in 2019. And then 2020 was the lowest scoring year for a Nebraska offense in, in a half century. Um, so the trajectory there has not been good for Nebraska in terms of kind of turning things, turning the yards it gets into points. That, of course, is has to change against Oklahoma. And it's not easy to just flip a switch with that, though. Another interesting note from the, the Oklahoma game notes since 2018, which nicely coincided with Frost's first year at Nebraska, Oklahoma's had eight games where it's rushed for 300 yards and passed for 300 yards, which is extraordinary. Of course, no other team in college football has more than four over that stretch, though I was interested. I was not interested. I was somewhat surprised to see that Nebraska made that list with two with two. And it was an interesting summation of kind of where we're at going into Nebraska, Oklahoma, 2021. Nebraska is down there at two and it's really hard to rush for 300 yards and throw for 300 yards in the same game, of course, but it's done twice. It's kind of what a lot of people thought Scott Frost's offense would eventually become. Well, what it hopes to one day become if there's enough time for that is Oklahoma, which is up there and has done that eight times. If Nebraska is to have a shot in this game, we're just going to need to see something we haven't a lot lately. Nebraska's flashed big, big play ability this season. A ground and pound approach isn't really on the table for me, given the state of the run game, though you think back to that Oklahoma army game, if you can control the clock, like, this is a case where the cliche fits the, the, the best, the best offense is a good defense and, and avoiding Oklahoma's offense. I haven't seen enough from Nebraska's run game at this point to think that that's really a viable path. So the Huskers best shot on Saturday, strange as it might sound might be a shootout. Could Nebraska win that way against a team that's plenty happy playing those kind of games. I wouldn't call it likely, but I do think it's the most likely way and it would be a lot of fun to find out. That's the IED preview podcast for this week. If you like the show, uh, as I remind every week, go do your, your podcast chores. They help out a lot. So review the show, tell a friend, tell an enemy, give it a rating wherever you listen to, to podcasts and be sure to follow hail varsity. If you're not already on Twitter, Instagram, we're on TikTok. Uh, which Aaron Sorensen, our deputy editor, does a great job with. Uh, also, the Hale Varsity YouTube channel. Uh, we've really expanded our content on that front. Aaron and I will be in Norman for this game, so we'll have updates from, from the road starting on Friday. So keep an eye out for those. And of course, uh, if you're not already a subscriber to Hale Varsity, give us a try. Get 10 monthly issues a year annual football yearbook 200 page extravaganza in june plus access to all of our premium content thanks for listening
Ahura Media Production.